In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I can remember a time before I was ordained, and while I was still a seminarian, where I was always excited every time I got to preach. I don't want you to hear that the wrong way. I'm still excited. I just get to do it a lot more often than I did in those days. You know, those chances were rare. We would get to preach maybe once or twice a semester uh, at the chapel, at the school, and then we would get to preach in our field ed placements, which might be once or twice a semester. And so as a seminarian who was learning a great deal and uh, being challenged by a great deal of things, every time I got up to preach, I wanted to tell everyone everything that I had learned, which made for a very long sermon. I won't do that to you tonight. Of course, once I finally got ordained and started working at my first church, the priest that I worked with, whose name was Lisa, divided up the preaching schedule with me. And I got to preach a lot more often. Except Lisa usually took these big high holidays like Easter and Christmas. And when our church was really full, like our church is tonight, I would sit in the seats behind her and I would wish for the opportunity to preach on a night just like this. And here I am tonight. And I've been thinking about the way things change between when I couldn't really be in this position and tonight when I am in this position. In those days, I was anxious to have the opportunity to preach. And for the last week or two, as I've been thinking about what I might say to you tonight, my anxiety has been about something a little different. What do I say to you about this passage, about this story that you have heard so many other times before. The real danger on a day like uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas or Easter is that we have all heard this story so often before that we might already think we already know all of the details about it. In fact, you probably go home and I guess maybe 50% of you or more maybe even have a nativity scene in your house somewhere right now. If you don't, tonight on your drive home, maybe you'll pass a business or a house that has the nativity scene in lights and you will see it. Or maybe if you miss it there, just check your coffee cup from your local favorite place and I'm sure something like that will be imprinted on the side. We receive this story time and time again, both passively and actively. We hear it again and again. We can recount the details. We can tell it by heart. And my big fear is, is that when we have stories like this that we know so well that we might assume that we already know all of the meaning, there is nothing left to learn. But this is not the way that Scripture works. It's the reason why Scripture is held up and called sacred, because it always has something to say to us. And our Scripture in the Christian church is a collection of stories held up by two ancient communities, a a collection of stories that capture the relationship between divinity and humankind. Not just the parts where we got it right, but the parts where we fell on our face and where we messed up and failed, much like you and I do sometimes. I'm sure not very often, though. 
It's why we come back to these stories again and again because they continue to have something to say to us. Even in these moments where we are just here because our family dragged us to church or as Judith talked to us about on Sunday, we are here for the nostalgia. And yet, what I want you to know is tonight you are at a place where the Scriptures can still speak to you. Where God is still speaking through them and where you can hear the calling of God for your life and for this community in this story that is so familiar. Many years ago, Laura and I had just started dating, and I heard that one of my favorite authors was going to be at a nearby church, and he was going to be speaking on a topic uh, of one of my favorite books. His name was Donald Miller, and the book was Blue Like Jazz. And I was so excited to go and hear this author talk about theology. And Laura really should have got out then, right? That should have been the first warning of what kind of relationship this was going to be. One of the very first dates I wanted to take her on was to go hear a guy talk about theology. And I don't remember a great deal about that night. There was about an hour to an hour and a 15-minute drive. But when we got there, I sat there, and it was really surreal hearing this author who I'd read so many books by and hearing him speak. And really the only thing now, some 15 years later, almost 15 years later, that I can remember from that night was Donald Miller saying this, You've really left a lot of meaning on the table in Scripture passages if you haven't found yourself in every character of the story. I have thought about that for a long time. I thought about all of the different stories that I have read where I just didn't connect to a certain individual or character in the story. I seem to connect more with the good guys than the people that got it wrong, right? Maybe you're like that too. But this week I found myself reading this story again. And trying to find myself in each of these characters. This very familiar story. This one that I can tell by heart. And I wondered if you and I could just journey through it once again. I wonder if we can hear it anew. I wonder if we can hear God's voice in a nook or cranny of this story that perhaps we have forgotten about or never noticed before. The story begins... An emperor has sent out a census. He has called these individuals to go back to their hometown. And there is a young couple, Mary and Joseph, not yet married, but engaged. And Mary is pregnant. And we have read a little bit of the detail and drama from this story prior to getting here tonight. And this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is roughly about 89 and a half miles. Now that may not seem like a lot, right? That's like from here to hill country or something like that. But these individuals were on foot and Mary was pregnant. And if they walked at the exact same pace and did not stop, it would take them 31 hours to make this journey. Laura and I later this week will drive to Florida and the distance is about 750 miles. And we will make it there in about 12 hours in the comfort of a car that is air-conditioned to warm food wherever we stop, hopefully, to podcasts and music and audiobooks. Our journey will be comfortable. And so for us as modern readers, it might be difficult for us to read the story and really find ourselves in the character of Mary and Joseph because this journey seems unlike anything that you and I have ever experienced before. 
And yet, I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice by reading the Scriptures too literally, by looking for a one-to-one comparison with the story in our own lives. Because the truth is, each and every one of us tonight are on a journey. One that is long and sometimes dark. One filled with twists and turns and mysteries. And that journey is called life. And I'm thinking about some of the journeys that I have been invited to just this week. On Tuesday of this week, we gathered in this sanctuary with a family who had lost a loved one. And we helped them remember and celebrate that individual's life. We were invited into that piece of the journey. Later on that week, I talked with a beloved parishioner of this place who was waiting for test results that could change their life. And I was glad to receive a text message later on that week that they had received better news than they were thinking. I was invited into that journey. Just yesterday, I was over at, uh, I believe this is Northwest Baptist, the hospital just across the road, and saying prayers for an an individual who would pass just a couple of hours later. On Thursday, we were back in this sanctuary, and we were here with Ed Reichling and Sally Skurlock, our young newlyweds, watching them make vows together. On Wednesday, we were here gathered together for Advent. We were gathered around tables and sharing meals, and we were talking about stories about our life. These are all the journeys that we are on that intersect in this moment Together, we are all on a journey. We can find ourselves in this Christmas story because you and I are walking it right now. This is not a story about thousands of years ago. This is a story about us right now. I find myself in this story in the angels coming to the shepherds by the dark of night. This angel with a host of heaven coming to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And you and I are called to be the same kind of messenger. If you have heard this story before, you are also called to be an angel, a messenger of God, to proclaim this good news that we celebrate on Christmas. This is you in this story. It's your calling to proclaim this good news. And I think about these shepherds hearing this news for the first time, just having a normal night out in the field, not expecting anything extravagant or out of the ordinary to happen, and then suddenly being blinded by a great light and seeing these angels come and tell them that the Messiah had come into the world and they needed to come and see. And I thought about people who might be here for the very first time tonight, hearing this story, perhaps for the first time, hard to believe, but maybe hearing this story for the first time. And if that is you, this is your calling. This is the voice of God speaking to you. Come and see. Come and hear this good news that I have sent into the world. And then I think about Mary once again. And I remember our Advent dinner two weeks ago where Jennifer led us in some wondering questions about this character of Mary. Inspired, I think, by a sermon that Judith had preached a couple years ago. And we all together pondered the autonomy of Mary. 
Did she have a choice in this whole endeavor? Could she have said no? Were other people asked before? Were there other possible candidates? If she would have said no, the possibilities are endless. And I enjoyed sitting in that place and hearing people talk about reconcilers wonder about the autonomy of Mary. Because when we wonder about the autonomy of the characters in Scripture, what we are actually doing is wondering about our own autonomy. Can we say no? Can we say yes? Is God still calling out? Is God still asking us to do something? And the comment that stuck out to me the most on that night was someone saying, I'm glad it wasn't me. I don't feel qualified. I'm glad God asked Mary and not me. And yet, what I have reflected upon this week is that you and I carry this same calling. This exact same calling that Mary received. To carry God into the world. To carry God within us so that others can meet God. Mary, this Theotokos, this God-bearer, you and I are called to do the same thing. And life, life can be scary. And the twists and turns and unknowns can cause us to have anxiety and stress. And yet, we can find comfort that the one that we carry within us is called Emmanuel. God with us. Amen.